0: One day it will be the last breath and how are you okay if today was your last breath I, I, I this is questions I ask myself right would am I I mean am I do I feel I fulfilled what I came here to do do I feel like this is a life well lived do I mm-hmm. feel like even yesterday was a beautiful day. You know, and so I think that with that in the beautiful thing connecting with yoga is that Shavasana, corpse pose, right? And I mean, it gives me goosebumps talking about this, but but it's like many don't realize. I mean, Shavasana is so important. Yes, it's where the practice integrates all the frequencies and all that. And it's beautiful and it's relaxation. But it's also one could also, you know, when you're lying down, and you're just breathing one day maybe you want to practice this yogi just like with that exhalation what if that was your last one so with every shavasana is an opportunity you know to let go and with each I also love to think that with that the cycle is that with each yoga practice there's an opportunity
1: of rebirth that's Natalie Kwa and this is the rain studios podcast Hello friends, welcome back to the Rain Studios podcast. I am your host Rain Reed and today we have Natalie Khoa, the amazing uh, yoga teacher, horse whisperer, animal lover, um, just mover, surfer, dancer, just incredible being. Um, that Natalie is, she was the owner of Shanti Yoga Shala in New Orleans, um, for nearly a decade around the same time, um, that Rain Studios Brick and Mortar was happening. Um, she was definitely opened up before me because I was going to her. She's one of my very first, um, Real dedicated um, teachers that I was that I was seeking um, when I moved back to New Orleans um, from being up in Manhattan and in Pittsburgh, Um, and so there I found Natalie back in New Orleans, and so I was kind of bouncing between she and Jeffrey Roniger, who um, has also is a guest on the podcast. I believe he's episode four. Um, and so the, you know, these are my roots. This is where I come from. These are my teachers of, uh, sort of yogic origin. Um, and this conversation was just so much fun to have and to reconnect our Natalie and I have, we just have this connection that was, um, that was just palpable magic. The first time I walked into her studio, um, her hands-on assists um, are just are some of the most memorable aha moments um, for me and uh, gosh she guided me into my first like center of the room forearm stand I believe Um, it's like a pretty vivid memory that I have and just some of the deepest forward folds so my gosh and and she has a podcast it's called life on earth podcast it's incredible Um, check it out but um yeah, we get into all of this in our conversation. So thanks for returning to the show and please enjoy Natalie Kwa. So here we are. So um, Welcome, yeah. Natalie
0: Kwa. Thank you, Rain. I'm so excited to be here on your podcast. So tell me where are you living now?
1: Okay, so we live in Eugene, Oregon. Um, which Wolfie was born in Bend, which is basically like dead center of the state of Oregon. Mm -hmm. And then, so you cross the sisters mountains, the cascade mountain range, and you hit, uh, the, the Willamette Valley, which is this, like, Mm -hmm. basically it's like the shire is like what, how we feel (laughs) it's like the shire in in the u.s i mean you know it's not quite new zealand but Mm -hmm. it's close because it's just a lot of people growing food and like you know pretty much everybody's composting and it's just a very um hobbit kind of feel let's Mm -hmm. be brew brewing beer and making cheese and kombucha Mm -hmm. and all these things right um and so we are actually like 55 minutes from the coast and 55 minutes from the mountains. It's a oh, very, wow. very, uh divine spot. Yeah.
0: Well, so you were asking before, like, you know, how, how we met. Yeah. So I have this memory of like you walking into Shanti way back, right? This was like prior to Rain Studios. And it was just so awesome. Like every time you came in, um, you know, just like practicing and seeing you doing your practice. It was, it was so exciting. And I love that.
1: Oh, and that, and I remember it too. Like, like we have we just off camera, off off screen, (laughs) off off um, recording, have like spat a little bit back and forth. But (laughs) you know, Natalie is one of my premier teachers, and and especially premier female teachers. So Mm -hmm. in this um, quest that I'm on to help to rebalance the divine masculine and feminine within myself and also within, you know, my community community. and hopefully the world um, Mm -hmm. is just to recognize that I actually was drawn by, I think, like an inner patriarchal storyline to Mm -hmm. male teachers. Mm -hmm. And um, and who I love dearly, you know, Jeffrey Roniger, Richard Rosen, Rodney Yee. Mm -hmm. Like I was a very gravitated towards these. um, And actually, my very first teacher was a man, Bruno Tessiender. He was. I remember him. Remember Bruno? I love Bruno.
0: I met Bruno in Mysore, too.
1: Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, shout out, Bruno. I mean, he's so fantastic. But yeah, but but you were my first like female divine feminine teacher and I, know. I fell in love with you in this very like Auntie Natalie sort of way yeah. and I am very enthusiastic about the listeners knowing you know because for the yogis out there listening we know about aha moments in our practice yes it's like when you have that just palpable aha moment and yeah. natalie gave me you know guided me through um my very first pincha Manurasana, my very yep. first um Forum stand and right
0: there yeah. in the center of the room at Chanti Yoga Shala, I vividly remember that. Yes, because <laughs> you used to come in also, like with your hair, and I was so excited. Like I was like, "What's that chick? She's so cool with that hair!"
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I know, and I would oh like gosh. crawl. I would like crawl in, and yeah. but you know, and and your hands-on assist. So these are things that I want the listeners to know. know if you're leading retreats or you know the 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 where you live in covington which i do Mm want to you know speak to how you have this offering where people can come to you and stay at your place um because i believe wholeheartedly that we are understanding the assignment of being of embracing teaching online and I am mm-hmm. certain that mm-hmm. Natalie's magic is palpable through her <laughs> teaching. Yeah. I just want everybody to know that her hands-on assists were some of the greatest aha moments of my practice. Um and, mm-hmm. and I and I really just like I opened up, and that's like that's, I guess that's really why I'm so excited to have you on the on the podcast today. Yeah. Because you have this divine feminine energy that I've always been attracted to and and inspired by. And, um, you know, so I'm so Thank you, Rain.
0: Well, I'm so excited to be here with you too. And thank you. That means a lot to me. Yeah. And just having us having had that connection still have it we were talking also before that you know it's so awesome to like see each other growing Mm. over the years and the different projects that we've been and when I get your emails I'm like I have a smile on my face because I'm like oh what is she developing now you know and it's, it's really cool and to see you also having uh done your studio and then moved and, you know, went to this place that you really love as well. We were both talking now about living in a place that you love. Yes. If you want, I can talk about that a little I bit. Do. So,
1: Let's go there. Let's yeah. go there.
0: So, I mean, I lived in New Orleans and I love New Orleans, but I was always commuting to the North Shore, my free time um, to come horseback riding. And for those people who are listening and don't know, like in South Louisiana, the you cross this big bridge in from New Orleans and you're in this North Shore mm. that has the Jafuncta River and has mother other rivers and a lot of nature. It's really beautiful. Folsom over here is like kind of horse country, so um, I loved it. And I ended up getting a cabin in Folsom for like three and a half years. And I was every time I could that I had free time, I was spending in the North Shore. And I just felt so connected with the nature here, Mm -hmm. you know, with the trees and the river and the boating and and so one. It just hit me one day. I was like, why am I always why am I not living in the place that I actually want to be most of the time you know instead of uh, commuting like that back and forth so I moved to so that's why I decided to move to Covington and Mm. I I love it I mean we live really close to the we live on water like the backyard is like waterfront and you know on water and we, the, it opens to the Jafuncta River, like a bayou that opens to the Jafuncta River. The Jafuncta has all these little bayous for people listening, which is really cool and magical, you know, it's with so these magical. big enormous trees with like roots mm. that you can see. And the birds are so big and it's just so cool. So I love it. And and then I commuted for about six months and then I had been doing the studio for like almost 10 years, 10 years about. Mm -hmm. And it just became, I just felt like something was shifting in my life. That was like a year before the pandemic. And then Mm -hmm. I decided to, and I was already doing online stuff. And so that was a thing. I actually was doing online stuff like about a year prior or a few years before I closed the studio. I was kind of doing both. Mm -hmm. And then I decided something inside me, my internal compass, you know, decided to like, just focus more in the online stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I did. And then who knew a year after we had this global thing pandemic and, um, (laughs) and I was already all set up online. And it's really cool because I have students all over and I have people that I work with like all over in, that has been a really beautiful experience, you know, to have that much access, even
1: us now here talking. Yeah. I mean, it's so expansive. It's so, it's such an incredible, like, yeah, global community. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, I know I had my queue of things and like, maybe we should just dive into this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the yoga of social media and how, and how, I mean, and so I guess, wow, you were on the forefront of it. Like you were Mm -hmm. sort of, whether you were conscious of it or unconscious of it, but like you sort of predicted what was happening in preparation. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. How did that that, um, come to being for you?
0: Yeah. It's, you know, I think about it sometimes because, um, and I think that, and you probably, I have a feeling you can relate to this. I've since a kid had this sort of like internal compass that I call it, or like intuition. Yes. That will know I'm like the kind of person that like never really had to look at the map. I'll just say like, turn here or go yeah. here. And, uh, and when uh, the times in my life that I do well is when I listen to that, right? And the times in my life that like, I don't do well or like it just hits me hard is because I completely was like, I'm going to not listen to that intuition. And then I get in trouble. But when I'm connected enough, and I'm grounded enough, and I think that that was what what was happening, because I had already been living here. And I was connected to the land, you know, and so I was just like, Oh, I'm just gonna, I don't even know exactly why. But this is what it's telling me to do. And I did it. So I don't know, you know, I think it's like, so mystical, like, I think it's a mix of like, ourselves and then garden angels or guides or you know fairies whatever you want to call it but like there's definitely like some forces I think not just for me I think it's everybody has it the question is like can you access that you know like how can you are you open enough to listen to those inner callings right because they're there for all of us and yes. I think you, you're like that too, because I feel a lot of the stuff too, that you allow yourself to follow your, um, you're you right. You're like some things that come, like you'll follow them. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Like I, I, I yeah, it's like sort of like looking in the mirror. It's sort, you know, it's mm-hmm. sort of like hearing my own, my own experience, which is so beautiful. And um, it's amazing because it, it sort of solidifies or like, validates our our such closeness you know mm-hmm, our like mm-hmm. our our skin tickling closeness mm-hmm. because i believe that and and i and i'm trying to help foster that in people and so is that sort of like what, because, okay, so for the listeners, I nerded out on Life on <laughs> Earth podcast, which is Natalie's podcast thank over you. the Last couple of days. And oh my gosh, I the Srimati episode and the Annie oh, Carpenter God. episode and the David yes. Bianchi episode. Oh, David. Oh my gosh. Oh, like, David. Yeah, we'll put all of those in the show notes as my like, thank you, my, my Thank you. Faves. But, thank. but that, but that. I mean, I feel like, or let's roll that into your offering. So you have since written, now you have two books.
0: Well, I have like one book, it's called Living Life in Light. And and that one has a lot of tools and techniques for literally living life in light, like connecting, you know, because I, I, everything we do can either connect us to the light or not connect us to the light. So. And and I think being human is just a mix. It doesn't mean like we have to always be connected to the light. But if you feel like you're disconnecting a lot, what are the things that you can do to kind of come back to yourself, right? So like, let's say this is just a silly example. Today actually is a great example because it's Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's right.
1: Happy Mardi Gras, I forgot. (laughs) Happy Mardi
0: Gras, everyone. (laughs) So if you are like, um, you went and you partied too much in Mardi Gras and you just kind of went off the track completely with food and whatever else that you do. And then you, so you're kind of disconnecting, right? But then you can, what can you do that maybe the next week or the following week or the days after, maybe you're going to drink a ton of water, maybe you're going to sleep more, maybe you're going to eat healthier, maybe you're going to juice, you know, everybody's different, go to the sun. So Mm. living life and light has a lot of those tools. I talk about, you know, vitamin D and the sun and forest bathing and yoga's Mm. technique stuff too. But it's not just yoga, it's it's really kind of a healing book about connecting to the, the frequency of all of those things that can um, fortify or, you know, body, mind, spirit for each individual that I have learned through practice and experiencing over 20 years, you know, like this is stuff. So I basically collected all the things that I have tested and learned and, and put it in a book. So that's kind of the book. And then I have a very thin little book, that's just more like the pillars of what I teach, mm. that has the same thing like that, like, you know, just kind of some, like, frequencies to connect to, like, gratitude, uh courage, you know, and then there's also like, here are the things that you can do that are like super healing for your soul, one of them is sun, I love the sun, you know, just mm. things like that. And then, and then we have a planner, that's more like a journal slash planner that's called the light code planner. And that planner is just like for kind of like a workbook. It asks you like, what are your morning rituals, you know, and what do you want to do today? You have a place that you can put your list. So, you know, if you put a list down, maybe you like check mark, did this, did that, oh, you know, that's so cool. Yeah. And then there's a lot mm. of quotes to inspire people. And like, also like there's some bottle Uh, of waters to for you to say, you know, to drink water, remind so just just kind of like that your rituals and your ceremonies that you practice. And it really kind of helps you just stay on track with your spiritual practice. Mm. But there's no like date or anything, because I don't want people to feel guilty. Like, you know, if you didn't journal or you didn't put whatever down for five days, who cares, just pick it up and do it whenever you want. You know, yeah, it's not like, I don't know about you, but I come in a point in my life that like I don't really want anything that's too dogmatic anymore. What do you oh feel about gosh. that? Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> yes. Well, I I yeah, I feel like it's releasing the rigidity, you know. Mm-hmm. And and again, I think that um, you know, I think that that it comes from this such a patriarchal lineage that we've been um, you know. Uh, for at a societal, even global yes. level for so long. And, you know, I'm, I'm not like a, a man hater. I I love men. I, you know, I, I have a yes. divine, can I, I mean, I have a partner and yeah. who's a man. Um, but I, <laughs> but it's not that like, it's just that it's out of balance. And so mm-hmm. exactly what you just described and the the workbook that you just described is so beautiful because it's giving that divine feminine permission to, you know, which is the principles of like dancing and, and mm-hmm. the, you have a dance background as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, and you too, right? Yeah. We both yeah, come yeah, from yeah. that. And it's like, so when you basically, I just remember a teacher in college, like in a, in a modern class, it might've been Joao or. Carla Wolfangle anyway, but it was, they were describing how basically dance is like a series of throwing yourself off balance and then pulling yourself back to balance and Mm -hmm. then throwing yourself off balance and pulling it back. I love that. Right. And like, that's exactly what you just said about like life and Mardi Gras, you know, like that's a a very good way to put it. Yeah. And that, and I think that that's that divine feminine Which is, you know, you've been mothering your students like Mm -hmm. for for your existence as a teacher, and and you know, giving us permission to try new things, giving us permission to push ourselves a little further, but also giving us permission to soften and to not be so serious. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, like you have such a incredible way of weaving that into your deep knowledge of mm-hmm. Vedic tradition and yoga philosophy and, yes. and asana, but then coupled, you know, with mm-hmm. that, with that divine feminine permission. And it's thank just, you for saying that. That's mm. very,
0: very awesome that you recognize that. Yeah, I do. I, uh, I do. I do feel that, you know, connecting with our femininity and just allowing ourselves to be soft it's important it's an important part of the whole picture you know yes yeah. because we can go a little too far in any direction
1: 100 absolutely yeah yeah and so it's about and, and, I, and
0: I love all this work that you're doing with all this too I think oh, it's really important
1: so excited about it myself yeah. so so here's what I don't actually know the evolution of yoga in your life yeah i'm dying to know
0: yeah well um so you know i started when i was young really young because i had a one of my best friend's mom who was like my aunt i called her aunt mm-hmm. she was um a devotee of gurumai from Sita yoga And in case, like, some people have heard this story, but in case you don't know who Guru is, that's when, if you have seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love, Mm -hmm. the guru that she goes, um, the ashram she goes study at in in, um, India is Siddha Yoga ashram. So um, it's a lot of chanting and meditation. And for some kind of just complete mystery reason, when I was like nine, 10 years old, I would see her, uh, her, um you know, her, her altar, her candle and incense and puja and beads. And I was just like mesmerized, oh. you know, and it was just so crazy, because my parents are Catholic. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of how we were raised. And her children, including my best friend, they were not that interested in her mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was very attracted to it, you know, huh. so call it past lives, call it whatever it is. Yeah. And That was my first, I mean, I was so intrigued that I asked her to take me with her. And, you know, with my parents' permission, I went to, started going to the ashram when I was like 10 years old, 11, you know, (laughs) and like sitting with her and like thinking meditation was totally normal. Like I was like, oh, finally, I finally feel home. And, you know, with all the India stuff, then that became a fixation that I was like when I was 11 years old, people would be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I want to go to India. I want to go to India, you know? (laughs) So that was kind of a fixation. And so I had, and then from there, I stayed going to the ashram in my teens. And then I met a boy and then we lived that we lived in Mexico, my parents traveled for work. And so then we moved to Rio to Brazil. And I was somebody that I was sort of seeing, I mean, seeing when you're like 14 years old, you know, a kid, a boy, yeah. um, he was, he was a surfer and I was a surfer too. So we were both like surfing. Oh, I saw you have some stuff with surfing now. too. Yes. I love it. Um, and we were surfing and he was like, oh, you go to the Sita Yoga. I go to the Hare Krishna temple and Ooh. they have all this yummy vegetarian food, you know, on Sundays, I think it was or whatever. And, I, and he's like, come with me. So I went and then that's when I remember I met a girl who's actually still believe it or not friends of mine to this day, she now lives in Australia, she was a surfer as well. And, um, and she was like, Oh, you want to hear about the Bhagavad Gita, you know, and she just, she was a little bit older than me, Martina. And she, she's come to visit me and might even listen to this. I'll send it to her. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she was a Hare Krishna. She lived in the Krishna temple. She was like a complete devotee. And she was like, she'd start telling me about the Bhagavad Gita. And I think I was like 15, you know, or something. And then my my room, I had like posters of, of Shiva and of Krishna. And my parents were like, what are you, what is going on here? Wow. And, <laughs> But there was no asana practice. But I, what I do want to say about asana, the postures, is that back then at that time, I was that kid, which I'm sure you, I think you told me about this, that my, my mom was taking me to dance classes, like, you know, classic ballet, modern dance. So I, was, mm-hmm. I had that, my physical thing, I was always very physical, but I was, didn't like, you know, dance and surfing and surfing like five, six times a week. And then I was going to this place and I was learning more other things like vegetarian, eating vegetarian food, which, you know, my parents weren't vegetarian, but I became a vegetarian at that age. And then uh, I know. And, and, and then like, you know, uh, learned like the meditations and the chants and learned about the Gita. And we had in the mornings, they always had like a talk, like a Dharma talk about something. And that's why I came to learn a lot about yoga, you know, real stuff like that just very classical and it wasn't until I was probably like 18 or 19 that one of my teachers I'm trying to as I'm talking to you remember exactly you know timeline I don't know exactly but late teens that one of my dance teachers said oh we're gonna do a yoga thing today and I was Mm. like what do you mean by that and it was like triangle and warrior two that was like the asana right Yes. And I was like, oh my God, this is so and I started like falling in love with it and really being like, I'm in love with the whole thing. Like I mm. want to go to India. I always wanted to go to India. And then I'm like, now I'm loving that I can do this movement and breath practice. And as a dancer, it was very attractive, you know. Totally. And, yeah, you know. And then um, and then it when I was about like in my my, I think it was like 20 or something, then I met Melanie Fowler. And Mm. in New Orleans, who's an Ashtanga certified teacher, for those who don't know, they had the yoga room and started training, I mean practicing with her six days a week, Mysore style. Wow. And then started like assisting her, apprenticing with her, worked with Melanie for a good three, four years in the Ashtanga yoga room. I was in college at that time for dance, kinesiology. And Mm -hmm. then uh, Matt Patabi joys in one of his world tours with Melanie. And Patabi back then used to say to a lot of people, um, the Ashtanga, for those of you, maybe somebody doesn't know, he's the Ashtanga founder, Patabi Joyce. And he was like, he would tell this to a lot of people and say, come to India, come to India, come to Mysore. So when he said that, you know, and I was like, I don't know, 20 or 21, I was just like, of course, I'm going to India. (laughs) Because I was like, you know, I've always wanted to go to India. So I went to Mysore. And it was amazing. I was there and it was, I mean, I say it was amazing, but there were things like, it was definitely like a little, I mean, I was there for like two and I thought I was going to be there for three months. And I think I was there for like two months or two and a half months. And there was a lot of like culture shock, you know, just to live there because I had never been to India like like being there for that long you know but then I on my second then you kind of get used to it so I ended up going four times in 10 years and and each time like three almost three months and Uh ended up my second trip third trip I was just completely in love with it had everything figured out like my apartment the place I went shopping for food and you know so it was settled but the first one was like kind of a culture shock Mm. and uh but love practicing with in the room with like all the practitioners and love being around the energy of fatabi Joyce and his family
1: hello hello rain is here to drop a line about my program rebirth all right so for the duration of march is the early bird special to get into my program to change your life to redevelop your relationship with your instincts and your intuition, to understand yourself from birth through life and all the way to the end of life, also known as death. (laughs) This is what my program is all about. And so March is going to be early bird admissions. April is going to be regular admissions, and then about halfway through May, uh, May 15th, is going to be the uh, final day of intake for the program. The program begins at the end of May, and it's going to last for six weeks, and we are going to do it in group format. I am so delighted to bring us all together and for us to use the strength of the pack to move through rebirth, um... Yes, together and just have an incredible metamorphosis transition into your most authentic self. So, links in show notes. Join me. Let's do this. Back to the show.
0: And, you know, being part of that lineage that we kind of talked a little bit about too when you were mentioning Annie. I think this will be a good segment to explain that because when you said that earlier, I wanted to touch on that because Rain was saying that when you were listening to the podcast on life on earth with Annie, you felt like, you know, like you, that transmission that Annie, I had that with Annie, and then you had that with me mm-hmm. and you're, you're doing, you're being that to your students. And I think that, and that's what I'm talking about, uh, connecting to the Patabi Joyce, because I was feeling that transmission, not just him, but what he represents in, in terms of like, you know, India is the birth of yoga. I don't, don't yeah. get me wrong. I don't think like you, I mean, nowadays there's amazing yoga in the United States everywhere. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. everywhere and it's great. And I'm really happy about that, but it was so cool over 20 years ago, being in a place that like, this was the birth and Patabi having that background with like Krishna Marchaya, the lineage, you know, and, yeah. and then who knows Krishna Marchaya, his, uh, guru, and so you can it's hard to explain, but you can feel it. You know, you can oh feel gosh. when you're in the presence of that, you can just feel. And I think there's still a lot of people that are amazing, like yourself included. And you know, and so that part of yoga is very special. And what you were talking about with the Annie and me, and you, I think you can, there's definitely that because it's the transmission that goes from one instructor or teacher to the next or practitioner to the next. And we kind of carry on that torch, you know, which is so cool. And, and, and the thing with that's so special about Annie is like, she is, and, and we're talking about any Carpenter for those of you, and you guys will listen to the podcast hopefully. But oh, yes, she, um, you know, was a dancer and also practiced and trained with Patabi and then also with Iyengar a lot, but also someone that I think was very instrumental in modern day yoga in the United States and my life. And I know somehow she probably taught, t- uh, touched you as well. Mati yeah. is Radi. Because right. Mati Izrati was the founder of Yoga Works, who right. Annie practiced with for the longest time. Mati had something that was really special, is that she practiced with both Patabi, which is a vinyasa flow, ashtanga, blah, 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 and Iyengar, which is the alignment. And, you know, so she was one of the first people to develop yoga teacher trainings in the United States. And she was one of the first people to, like, say, hey. I love the flow and the breath, but what can we do that also with like some alignment points, which is like very kind of like a ish. ish. So, you know, if you go nowadays to like a lot of the studios in, in, in the U S and probably in the world, and you see flow yoga, power yoga, it's probably a mix of Mm -hmm. different things, right? It's like different things, but, um, so yeah, that was the evolution. Was that I just did the ashtanga for like ten years. At some point, um, moved to LA from from New Orleans and worked at Yoga Works and worked with Mati directly and worked with Annie mm. Carpenter. Got my tra- other trainings too, like two hundred hour, three hundred hour, all that. And you know, then was like teaching at Yoga Work, but also working at Yoga Work. I worked at the front desk. I worked at like as an assistant manager. I worked as everything, you know, yoga right. advisor and learn kind of the behind the scenes, which really helped me when I opened my own studio, because I had a love for the business too. I had a love for the business and for the other part, the teaching. Mm. So it was really kind of helpful to have that. And then, you know, having the studio for that long was great. All these were great experiences. And then over time, developing this tea practice, which is like the tea ceremonies, which is really has come into my life the past like five years, mm. you know, kind of going into more of a meditation part of it, Um, really got into yoga nidra at some point. So your I best. think what I'm what I'm trying to say is like, you know, I mean, and I want to know your view on this too, but it changes right with different yeah. things. And it doesn't mean in my opinion, at least for me, it doesn't have to be like this or that. It can just be all,
1: you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Both
0: both and. Yes, exactly. Uh, Because the practice in some ways, sometimes it's more etheric, like it's the yings or the nidras, the restorative or the meditation or tea or nature contemplation. Like we were also Mm. talking how yoga changes. Sometimes and maybe you guys listener, listening to this will relate, you're on a roll, like you're practicing asana all the time. And that's great. And sometimes you're kind of like, like, you know, a, a, few, a couple of times a week, and you're balancing other things. And sometimes you're kind of away a little bit from your mat. And totally, and but then my question would be to people is like, I think I've been thinking a lot about this, like, what is it that I think you have to have some kind of spiritual practice or devotion or something, yes. you know? Yes. So when we can call it yoga because yoga really is the vast umbrella, body, mind, spirit. Mm-hmm. But if you have something, you know, and it's hard to say what, because you could come to me and say, Hey, I have this morning walk that I do that. It's like my yoga, you know, and I'm connecting with plants and each somebody else's tea, somebody else's medit- and meditation. But if you have something that you have that kind of surrendering ishna pranidhana or, you know, devotion, Mm. then you're connected, then you are connected. And isn't that yoga? We are one. Totally. So how that plays and expresses itself. It's, Mm. I don't know, it's not up to me to, you know, tell you, Rain, how to be or you to tell me, but what I would hope for all of us is that we can have something in our lives like that, that will, and if it's asana for you, then great. You know, Mm -hmm. some people practice six times a week. That's great. I've been that person too, Mm -hmm. but it shifts. And I'm also saying with that is like that we don't get too hard on ourselves when, you know, like, it, like oh, if I don't have my asana for exactly how I expect it to be for two months, I'm going to be boom. It's like, oh, okay, let's shift that. That comes that feminine thing again too, right? (laughs)
1: Exactly. I remember just like, wow, you have just blown me away in, in, in so many ways, because I feel like I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, I must have known that you have this, like, I mean, for the listeners, for any human being that has practiced (laughs) with Patabi Joyce, like in real life in in Mysore. I mean, that is like, I like get on my knees and bow to these people just because it is not in like a guru, you know, fantasizical way, but we really are talking about like the birthplace of modern yoga. Mm -hmm. And so anyone who spends time in Mysore, Really has that gift, like it's, and and you all are passing, are pouring uh-huh. the buckets, you know, and like and sharing and sharing that sort of OG um, uh-huh. knowledge and wisdom and energy, and and I feel like I definitely did know that about you, you know, I'm I'm, I'm imagining some of the other instructors at. Rain being like oh duh Natalie's like incredible and me being like oh <laughs> you know like because I was um, I just was uh, a, a bit naive in my practice like back in the day and um, yeah but wow thank you for oh, sharing. oh Rain that. but you were I just love because you're so open
0: and you're just and you you're all about like also connecting with the individual in front of you which is like really great. So I think that there's a lot of kudos to you for that, that like you just come open minded and make that connection with what is not having to know, you know, somebody's like crazy bio or anything. We're like, you know what I mean? Which is really beautiful thing too. Like, and that's the thing, right? Because even though there's all that, there's also just this, like, it's
1: just, someone doesn't
0: even need to know that just come Mm -hmm. and it makes sense.
1: It's really cool to know that because like I said earlier, I mean, we're talking about the, the aha moments that change your life that like that keep you coming back to yoga. Mm -hmm. I have experienced these with you in some of the deepest forward folds where you just with this beautiful, reverence and love and surrender and power. You impre- physically impressed upon me. And I felt, I felt encouraged. I felt love. I felt mm-hmm. support. I felt, and I mean that, I mean, I just have chills all over my body, like mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. experiences. And and it's like, and it is so, so um, I mean, I feel honored to know that this lineage comes from like a nine year old who was drawn to yoga. <laughs> that really is i mean it's you it, like it's it's sort of like all of the things that i had kind of imagined about you <laughs> are very are very true. and I'm just so excited to oh. be having this conversation because it makes sense. like it makes sense how and even how animals respond to your energy. You know, mm-hmm, like like mm-hmm. uh as you and Srimati were speaking about when the cows did the bowing to her. I mean that conversation yes. is so beautiful, so beautiful and yeah. palpable as well. You know, I feel that the animals were the animals yes. respond to you say similar, you know. yes, that, that very yes. like they feel your presence and humans, you know, for everyone to remember, we are animals. And <laughs> yes, so- thank you for the reminder. <laughs> right you know it's like and so when we walked into your studio or when i am tuning in with you in this conversation mm-hmm. it's that same devotional mm-hmm. energy of the divine mother the divine feminine oh mm-hmm. it's mm, so what do you. you think like thank <laughs> you well thank you God. for saying all that what do
0: you think i'm curious to know from you too like what do you think the evolution of yoga is? Because we kind of like oh you said and I'm like, I was going to ask I, you that
1: question. <laughs> I know, because I, know. I was like, I know we were going to
0: talk about that, but I mean, I was just like, what does rain think about this? It's such a an interesting question. Like, oh my gosh,
1: I, I think on on an individual level it kind of comes back to what you said already in in like the Mardi Gras reference and the dance, you know, it's life is a series. Sometimes I say life is a series of injury and recovery Mm -hmm. or that it's just off balance, come back to balance to then get thrown off balance and come back. You know, that to me is like, is just a very simple way of, um, of speaking to, I guess, what yoga kind of always was and always will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the evolution, I mean, human evolution and, uh, it, with this technology, with this capability, with this ability to communicate and to share, um, I don't know that I have words for it yet, but yeah. it, it does feel like the collective consciousness. That's kind of what I wanted to touch on with social media, While that can be a little triggery because of social media has, you know, just like everything has the darkness and the light, right? Mm -hmm. We can use social media for the darkness or the light and we see it for the light. And, you know, I don't know how you feel, but it's like, when I, when I post, I say a devotional prayer, like I'm Mm -hmm. like, I want, I want this to help and heal, you know? I love that. And and when I do that, I feel like it's palpable, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's like, and you know, and there's, um, and and so when we step into that, and we're sh- really sharing our authentic selves and our authentic truth, um, that that is healing, and that that, yes. um, but you know, what keeps popping into my mind, was this conversation that I had with um, Jeffrey Roniger and Richard Rosen a couple of years back, uh we were having dinner on at some Mexican restaurant on Esplanade Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're talking about this exact same thing. And I, and I'm listening to, you know, the divine masculine speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's, um, they're talking a lot about responsibility Mm. and the responsibility of, of the carriers of the, of the teachings to just, to keep it in alignment with its truth. And, um, and then to also accept that when something moves and expands from one culture to another, it's inevitably going to change shape. Love so that. It's kind of what you said. It's both. And it's, you know, yes. it's tradition and it's nuance. It's, exactly. you know, ancient and it's right now, you know, and I just exactly. saying, like it's purple pants on like yoga journal cover, which, you know. <laughs> Like,
0: totally. Yeah. And and you know, it's like yoga is an evolving art, you know, like now we're talking, it makes me think about that. And it's It's like, so we know that it's alive, it's evolving. And another thing that's interesting, and I said this one time to my students, everybody was laughing. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yoga has been this for here for 1000s of years, right? It's not going anywhere we're at some point, we're going to be out of planet yep. Earth or me in this life form as this one is. Yeah. <laughs> but guess what, yoga is going to probably still be around. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, we, we, and because it's going to be like, okay, some people are going to teach online, some people are not going to teach online, some people don't want some to you know, whatever rocks your boat type of thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, standing on the shoulders of the past, we evolve. Mm-hmm. And we we can value tradition and we can look at it and understand it. And I, and I highly encourage students who are going through like 200 hour teacher trainings and 300 hour to learn, because I think we learn, you know, and we learn different things about yoga, what what you like. I think it's good to even if you're going to break the rules, learn them and learn where it comes yes. from. And I think it's really beautiful thing. And then just like you're saying you know, expand and understand that, you know, 2020 is going to be different than 2021 and even in 2022 and what's coming next. And, you know, I mean, we're talking now about Instagram and Zoom and teaching online, but there might be something else that's coming up in the future. That's going to be like, you know, a lightning thing in
1: a room. (laughs) Yes, a hol- our next podcast is going to holo- be like our holograms like talking to each other that I, I could, you know what? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'll bet it will happen. I I mean, they had Tupac performing, a, you yeah. know, Coachella a couple of years ago in hologram yeah. form. That was crazy. It, that was crazy. I saw I mean, that. But yeah. at the
0: same time, here's one thing. And I love that you're open, which sounds like you're open oh. to the evolution of that. And so am I. And yet, Rain, I see you. Um, very often when I said, I follow you and your progression. And you know, when even when you, you went away from the studio here and moved to Oregon, and Mm. you're very connected to earth, you're very connected to Mother Earth. So, you know, when we add all this technology, right? Mm. And then what's the balance for that? Like, and so I see with when I see the posts that you do, and the emails, and even the photos, like, you are oftentimes with mother earth right the different elements like whether it's water or so do you feel that it's like a way to recalibrate all that to get back to that tribal thing
1: that i kind of feel in you sometimes Mm, yes oh my gosh like so to me i remember pranayama was what reminded me that, you know, I really like, I feel the ocean in my breath. It's mm-hmm. very like it's oceanic, you know, this inhale is like this rising wave. And if for surfers, I mean, you can literally feel yes. the exhale is when you drop in, you know, and you ride. Mm-hmm. And that level of synergy of connecting with the ocean as a wave rider is one of the most blissful experiences that I can possibly mean it's like orgasmic, you know. Yeah. And so I mean, I believe that that yoga, asana, seated, seated or uh, or laying down meditation, um, and practicing pranayama is the way to remember that nate that we are nature. Mm-hmm. Like that we are animals, just like we just said, mm-hmm. you know, and like and that, that I believe that so much of human suffering is the, is the disconnection, the forgetting, like we literally forgetting. forget that we're a part of it. We think that we're outside of it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's why like seeing a photograph of you with the, your horse,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, that connection, it reminds us, you know, like mm-hmm. that we are you know we have an uns- an unverbal but very spoken language that's shared between animals and plants and Definitely. the ground and the sky and the sun and the water and the wind yes um and so you know that's what what i try to instill in my community is 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 if we remember that we are nature and that we belong here i love that that yeah that that because that that too that too is
0: and and that too is the yoga that's
1: the yoga i mean a hundred percent so if
0: you're teaching so much online or whatever it is you're doing you feel like that that could possibly disconnect if somebody's thinking that with the evolutions i know that that's some of people's maybe uh, i don't want to say fear but you know like uh hesitance or with all this Mm-hmm. then I would say to just listen to what Rain just said, what you just <laughs> said right now, literally, because if you are doing all that, I mean, the world's going to evolve. But let's not forget that we that we have this Mother Earth beautiful and that we are nature and all it takes is for us to go and, you know, connect with be outside, whether it's a river an ocean or some trees or a forest mm-hmm. and just go and you know cultivate that um experience with mother earth that's going to really ground us in that root chakra you know and it's yes. going to really bring us back to ourselves and remind us who we are yes. and if we have that right then that's it there's nothing that can mm-hmm. take us and in yoga sometimes we call that the self with a capital s you know mm-hmm. the higher self that connection but if we have that connection with nature with the higher self then I don't think we we need to be like too preoccupied or worried about, you know, Oh, Instagram is going to like disconnect me or this and that. Well, if it is, it's because you're forgetting who you are, then come back to yourself. It's not Instagram's fault. It's us.
1: Yes. Yes. And I mean, exactly. (laughs) And it's also, you know, it's so because, you know, people like us, like we have, you know, really heard the calling and, you know, your move to Covington is, Mm -hmm. is, is a real, is a real like acceptance of that truth, you know, that, that, you know, being connected to nature and, you know, in space and having space and, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is so beautiful and, and important and amazing and, and hats off and high five to anybody Mm -hmm. who's ready to, you know, to do that, to really, to, to, to leave whatever they, you know, feel is their comfort and to go and reconvene. For those of us who are living, you know, in apartment buildings and and um in cities and things, the sunset and the sunrise and the clouds are still yours, you know. Yes. Um, you know, a pigeon could really be just is just as majestic as a great blue heron, you know, that you might see. And, I love that. And um yeah. And just, you know, little squirrels, like as silly as that might sound. I mean, it is a instant grounding tool, Instantly. right? Like it's a, yeah. Just reminding. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, know I wanted to say magical. Some,
0: yeah. I wanted to say something that's like kind of off the track, but it's been on my mind. I think yogis are so interesting. Like yogis are such interesting people to talk to seriously, and totally. to like be around. And if you think about it, you know, you yogis are like very smart and intelligent, because that kind of it requires a certain level of, at some point, you don't even have to be doing it right now. But at some point, you had to go through that fire of transformation, because you dedicated to your practice, you know, these are people that like, are, and probably many of you, the listeners, and and I, I, I guess I'm saying, I honor all that, you know, and I'll take my hat down to that. And I bow to that, because it's like, these are people who have said, I want to learn the truth. I'm on a self discover, you know, I want to discover, I'm going to enter the journey, whatever you want to call it, and I'm going to do the work, where I'm going to at least aspire to do the work doesn't mean we're always perfect. But You know, with that comes that tapas, that discipline, and you know, people have different practices. One might be Bikram, the other one's Ashtanga, the other one's something else, the other one's Yoga Nidra. But these are yogis that it's like that self-inquiry that you you know you have to kind of go inside and ask the the questions and you know and look at your life and want to create a better version of yourself and then the planet. And I think that takes a certain kind of individual. You know, not everybody has the courage to do that and to face your fears on that level and that's really beautiful when somebody has done that even if it's for some of it might be someone might be six months a year a lifetime 20 years mm-hmm. doesn't matter but if you had if you went there you know to like try to remove the veils and stuff that's a certain kind of human and I have a lot of uh admiration for that you know in a way you know because and I think that's why yogis are so interesting to speak to, because it's like you've done you, you're you always questioning and you're looking and you want like better ways. And, you, you know, you're interested in people and you're reading and you're
1: you're researching. And it's like, that is cool, you know? Oh, my gosh, it is. <gasps> and I'm going to ride that wave right into yeah. <laughs> your birth into this world.
0: Yeah, I saw did, that and it did was good to look at that. <laughs> well, um, I was thinking about it. I know I was born at 7 15 a.m. And I was mm-hmm. born in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro. My mom is Brazilian, my dad's French. And when I I lived in this like kind of beach, really cool little beach town, three, four hours away from, from Brazil, nearby Busius for people listening. It was called Rio das Ostras. And uh, we went back to the city to a big hospital for my birth. And what I know that my parents were there since then have been divorced for many years, but then they were together and it was my, and I think that there was a lot of love. I feel a lot of love in that birth. And um, my mom has a big family. So a lot of my uncles and aunts were there. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I think, also kind of very loving. And the cool thing is that the doctor, the OBGYN who birthed me, Mm -hmm. he was one of my mom's best friend and became my godfather. Oh, my
1: gosh.
0: So my godfather actually was my, um, you know, the person who birthed me. And I do know Mm -hmm. that my mom has a a C-section, so I don't know what that means. That'd be more like me asking you what that means in terms of, I wonder, and I know you're doing a lot of rebirthing. So maybe you can lighten me on this, like, because I always wonder when I've been to some of my, you know, seen my, my friends having babies, I don't have one, but I, I've seen in hospital, like, it's kind of like 2 I'm like, how does that feel? If you're like coming from your mother's belly, right? It's got to be a crazy thing. Like the lights, the neon people with gloves and masks I mean I would be like whoa you know if I'm thinking like this is kind of scary as a newborn but then you and then you have to cut that belly thing it's like wow ouch you know and then there's like so I mean in that sense that I was born in that situation which Mm -hmm. my mind is not the greatest and uh, also like you know a c-section probably for my mom was Painful though she was obviously numb, but there's still that. Mm -hmm. Um, but thank God. Oh, you were? Thank God I was cleaned up and brought back to my mom's uh, you know, I didn't have to stay incubated or anything like that. I was back with her. And so for that I'm grateful. But I'm wondering, do you have any insight about that kind of birth? Like Mm. yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, that's a whole course. That's yeah, that's a whole thing. Well, so. Oh, I mean, that's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's eye-opening. So, well, first I want to draw attention to the fact that it's both and. Okay. So you experience, you know, you know, the the family, the place in the world, your parents being together, feeling the love, and then your godfather being the um, OB that, you know, is the, is the receiver of you into the world. Um, Right. So there is a lot of light and a lot of love in that the manner in which uh, the cesarean birth is quite traumatic for the infant and quite traumatic for the mom. And if the father is, um, you know, aware uh, and would admit that it was also traumatic for him to see um, his wife, his woman, you know, essentially disempowered and, you know, having somebody, you know, do the work for you. Hello, hello. Rain again. Just here to drop a line about my masterclass. So I'm sponsoring myself for my free masterclass. If you are interested in healing yourself, in understanding yourself, in deepening your relationship with your instincts and intuition, this is step one of working with me. Head over to my website, watch my masterclass for free, and out sort of the roots the foundations to what it means to work with me all right back to the show mm-hmm. and so this is my this is my field right this is what mm. i'm uh wild and crazy about but i guess what i want to first off say is like because from one cesarean baby to another we're okay you know yeah. like it's um every person has trauma Mm-hmm. And just like you were just saying about yogis, are people who are who are interested in in kind of in digging around in what life is about, and and what I do know from your um, conversation with Annie Carpenter again, mm-hmm. um, that you do end of life um, kind of journeying or and meditating about, mm-hmm. and that part that part of that conversation was really cool um and i so so basically <clears throat> how life is a circle right like we have the patriarchal design has us thinking that life is very linear you know we're born we live we die that's it but the truth about the circle of life you know is that it's birth and death and rebirth and death and it's a cycle and mm-hmm. um and that there's veils and inexplicable magic and all of these, you know, powers that be that I don't begin to think that I can comprehend. But I do know that there is a huge significance to the the way in which we come into this plane. And there is a huge significance into the way that we that we transition out. Mm. And so uh, I lead a lot of like rebirthing meditations awesome where we go into what your your body at cellular level remembers um from your birth and then you get an opportunity to get with your divine mother and divine father and and rebirth yourself um, that sounds beautiful i would love to do it with you i would point. love to oh. do it
0: too i i do something very similar through yoga oh. nidra yes so it's really cool too yes. but i would love to that's your thing. I would love to experience that one day. What? Let me keep me posted.
1: I want to experience yours too, because <laughs> you have that divine mother. Yeah. Like, you know, that I maybe been. we do a retreat one day. May it be so, girlfriend. That we could have be been fun. trying to do stuff together. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, yeah. mm, mm, seed planted that could be on fun. the podcast. Yes. 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 But yes, yeah, so so I ask all of my guests this question mm-hmm. about birth. Um, because you know, I mean, first impressions, yeah. think about it in, you know, and just in your daily life, like what a first impression is like, is like. And then, um, and then also it, it is that remembering that this is the birth of, it's the birth of like how we show up in the world. Mm-hmm. And um so basically we can either be like, you know, sort of reverence um, and respect and trust and intimacy when we're born, or we can be in like more of a fear and anxious uh, sort of arrival. And Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing in the world um, is that in the birthing, in places where the birthing practices are um, in a devotional and, and sacred way, you have more of like a devotional and sacred population. Or mm. and then and when you have a, a population of people who have traumatic births on the regular, um, where the mothers are disempowered, it it echoes and and really resonates. Um and I, I actually yeah. this is a great moment to tell that little story that I have that is not little, that it is mm-hmm. about Natalie's studio, another aha moment that I was uh-huh. gifted by. Um, I was tricked, I thought I was going to Natalie's (laughs) noon class get my little butt kicked and get my my amazing hands-on assists and ah just bask in the glory of what Natalie had to offer and it was like and it was a restorative class and i was like what is this and it was my first one ever and and i um and i was placed in supported child's pose on a giant bolster and i had tears flowing down my eyes as the teacher was saying you know, like this is, this is support. This is what it's, this is what it means to feel supported in child's pose. And I had hated child's pose as a practitioner, my whole existence, you know, since I was in my, like that mm-hmm. was 17, when I was brought to my first class also by my auntie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, so, and, and what I was saying with that is, that I have since come to be taught by my mentors in the traditional midwifery field, that practitioners, so as yoga teachers, if we observe our students struggle in child's pose, happy baby, uh, fetal posture, um, these, this is remnants of birth trauma or Mm. early childhood trauma. And um, so it's in happy
0: baby and in child's pose, like if they're feeling anxiety or anything like
1: that. Interesting. Yeah. And just discomfort, like exactly, like you know, you <laughs> yeah. know, people who are just like, I can't get this right, and you know, it's yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. that makes
0: sense to me.
1: It does, right? It, it makes
0: a sense. lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Did you want to talk about the transitioning out? Heck yeah.
1: Perfect, yeah
0: um, perfect flow right into that segue mm-hmm. yeah so I agree with you I I see I call death a transition mm-hmm. well birth is a you know a continuation a beginning a, a transition to something that has always been there yep. and so is death it's not it's just another transition right so those are yes. kind of the big moments that we have in our life yes. um I that's another thing that is very curious just as i like to tell you i don't understand exactly why i was like mesmerized by the yoga tradition at such a young age like 9 10 in my teens i started um hearing about um death as a transition and became very fascinated with that concept as well and so you know, as I was studying yoga, I was also reading a lot about Buddhism and mm-hmm. being very open to it. And when I was in India, I went to visit a Buddhist monastery multiple times. It's called Baila Kupa. It's one of the places that the Dalai Lama will stay when he's in India, but this one is in the South. Mm-hmm. And um, the monks there, they had, they practice this thing. It's called like a death, you know, to sit with the death, to sit with death. So it's just like a death meditation. Mm. And you just kind of go in and you just kind of really uh, contemplate what that last moment of your life, if you were leaving your life, like right now, what would that last breath feel like? So what I did is I actually went into that and, and started when I was in like my early 20s, really kind of diving deep into it and doing these death meditations, sometimes like an hour two hours sometimes you lay down you know and you really kind of feel it or you can do it sitting up and and I just like really went there and I had like I say this because I want to share that I had some moments with some of those that I literally would have like tears dropping down you know like just complete like surrender I d- I can't even like explain like it's not like a, a Uh, like a pain in terms like you're so sad it's more like just like a a realization Mm. of like this too shall pass you know and this is just a moment and in and we're all gonna go through that and don't kid yourself because (laughs) we tend to think (laughs) you know we tend to think like we are going to be and even now I say that but of course I'm a human too and like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna live forever you know But then it's like, when you do these practices, right, you can really sit with it. And like, and it really hits you sometimes like, no, you're not. And you know, this body temple that it's like a suit that your spirit resides in right now, it's temporary. And this too, and it will decay, you know, and with every like Annie says in the interview with every breath is changing. And you know, every year we're changing. And lucky we are if we're still here on this planet earth um you know like i'm always say like if you g- growing quote-unquote older or you could say go g- getting younger every day but you mm-hmm. know like when you're like um it's like it's a blessing you know it's a blessing to like oh my god you're still here so yeah. celebrate your life because life is a gift and if you're still here i really believe there's something that you should that we need you like you know yeah. thank god if you have a mission share it and then at the same time really kind of embracing this mortality that um you know w- one day it will be the last breath and how are you okay if today was your last breath I, I i this is questions i ask myself right would am i i mean am i do i feel i fulfilled what i came here to do do i feel like this is a life well lived. Do I feel like even yesterday was a beautiful day? You know, and so I think that with that in the beautiful thing connecting with yoga is that Shavasana, corpse pose, yeah. right? And I mean, it gives me goosebumps talking me about too. this, but, it, but it's like many don't realize, I mean, Shavasana is so important. Yes, we, we, it's where the practice integrates all the frequencies and all that. And it's beautiful and it's relaxation. But it's also one could also, you know, when you're lying down and you're just breathing one day, maybe you want to practice this yogi's just like with that exhalation. What if that was your last one? So with every shavasana is an opportunity, you know, to let go. And with each, I also love to think that with that, the cycle is that with each yoga practice, there's an opportunity of rebirth. Absolutely. because because <laughs> you take that last breath but yeah. then you come back when your teacher says come back and we finish we're here right and then and then that, that namaste you leave hello here's another day yeah so it's so beautiful the mm. you know it's all integrated right in the practice yeah. and the buddhists have a way the yogis have a way but the reason why I love it, and once in a while, if especially if I feel like I'm disconnecting too much, then I do a practice, Just even if it's just sitting down and just kind of going inside and thinking about it, mm-hmm. you know, th- that um, it really connects you to who you are and in this present moment in the sense of like, it makes everything divine. Yeah. Like, you know, every moment is so special and so precious. And I love that Mary Oliver quote that says, so what are you going to do with your wild and beautiful life or something like that, you know, crazy life. So, you know, it's, so how, I mean, my hope is that for me and for all of us is that every day we're living the life that we want to live. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, and if it is that it's the last day, then there was a life well lived, you know,
1: absolutely. It's
0: beautiful.
1: and as you're speaking, it's like, and it, it's so, it is palpably obvious that you are someone who's sat with this. The level of comfort that you have, the level of ease. Mm-hmm. I mean, you even have like this beautiful, radiant smile on your face <laughs> when you're speaking about it. And, you know, it's, yeah. and I just think that it's, um, it's nothing sh- short of tragic that uh, so many people go through life just fearing death. Uh-huh. and it's and it's and, it, and a lot of people also go through life fearing birth and I'm just like wait wait wait, whoa, whoa. this is metamorphosis moment this is yeah. like your like your uh your story on Instagram with the butterfly yeah it's like that like you know this is we are literally like cocooning and butterflying and I mean we can do it all the time you time. know the inhale is yeah. the birth, the exhale is the death. this yes. so simple. It happens all day every day through your sleeping, through your waking, without mm-hmm. thinking about it. But if we turn on that consciousness and watch the inhale as the breath and watch the exhale as the as the death, it's like that is like a little miniature enlightenment. yeah,
0: right it really is. it really is. I love that. I feel like many oftentimes we we experience like, Little bit of enlightenment, like mo- uh, moments of enlightenment during our shavasana or in our yoga practice. You know, I totally. think that we can experience that that divinity, divine. Or, and you know, I just want to add to that I also feel um, that we have to think about the elderly. You know, mm. the people because because ah, like you know, we've got the children that are so precious and the animal, but also mm. sometimes like when we um, the people that are here that are like the seniors you know in their 70s or 80s or nine even 90s like my grandmother she's 90 something mm-hmm. it's a, such a divine time and there's so much to learn and and as a community we really should ho- create support for them and and if it's like a family member because when i you know as you were saying like some people get scared of even your own death but also some people get scared i see of like their family members when they're you know whatever age some some people they get a sickness and they're going to go when they're you know younger and 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 sometimes people don't know how to relate to that person when it yeah. they are approaching you know those final days and it can be very scary so i think that that's part of the work too is can we be comfortable with those people who are maybe transitioning soon whether it's because yeah. of an illness or because of an age and can we still, um, you know, love them and be around them and, and just honor that, that yeah. this is, this is the time, you know, and I think there, there's so much healing that can happen for the person that's transitioning, but also for you, you're not just mm-hmm. doing it for them, right? There's so much healing, because if you've ever anybody listening has ever been around, you know, someone who took that last breath or is about to, it's a powerful thing. Oh you know, gosh. yes, and it's like, yeah, I mean, those parts of society that we don't really want to shove them down, you know, let's totally. just bring it all.
1: So, so, yeah, one of the things that I would love to share, I don't know if I've spoken about this on the podcast. So this is kind of fun. Duh, mm-hmm. Um, that you know, one of my teachings is just deliberate language and, um, and I've noticed a shift when releasing of this senior citizen idea that's like, (laughs) oh, you get, you know, like a discount at the movie theater, whatever, and return to the wise elder. Love it. Because when we just add the wise elder, when we bring that energy in through spoken word, it changes your relationship with the person you're looking at. You know, like kind of at least for me, I can only yeah, speak for my own experience. Too. But if I'm like, oh, senior citizen, oh, yeah, but I'm yeah. like wise elder, there comes that devotion again. Love there that. There comes that you know, and so yeah, so I'm big. I'm really trying to, I'm trying to instill that in myself and to echo that out. Um, that yeah, you know, just using conscious language and and choosing you know how we view these transitions these changes yes. in our lives you know um and
0: choosing conscious language is so important yeah it's so, so that's great and i'm i'm so happy I'm, i mean i'm so
1: grateful that we talked about this it's it's great i'm like yeah you know? Yeah. And it's a time to look forward to, you know, like I remember when Srimati was sharing with you, um, you know, about and she like let her hair turn gray and all, you know, like her transition. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, when we release our bleeding like Mm -hmm. that, like this is... You know, men go through it also. It's, there's menopause, which is actually for females, as you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but for men, it's called andropause in like the, mm. the medical world. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's just a, it's a um, um, hormonal shift. So again, with deliberate language, it's like we could see that we're losing something. Mm-hmm. But we can also just with a perspective change, it's that we're gaining something. know we're releasing something and we gain something we're and you know we're stepping into this wise elder phase that you know is really quite long and um and and it uh, shifts something shifts yeah 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 so just it's you know for me it's just about bringing the divinity back and 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 the and the recognition and the reverence well i love it thank Mm. you I love it too. I'm I'm so excited. I can't, I want to get, I want to do your, I want to sit with you in the death meditation. Like I want you to guide me through your version. And I
0: want I want the birth one from you.
1: (laughs) Maybe so. Oh, opposite.
0: Yes, that would be awesome. Oh, am I paused? Let's see. I can hear you fine. It's all good. Mm
1: There you go. <laughs> okay. I'm looking at I'm looking at my notes. Um and Yeah, I mean, we covered. We we pretty much did all of our Yeah. all of our things. Um I am just going to say I mean to the listeners, I'm going to put links in the show notes to all the like, you know, the the River Retreat House the yeah. Living Life in Light book. Light Coke And then, planner, yeah,
0: so what I'm and doing life on our like,
1: podcast, y'all. Natalie's podcast is amazing. And oh, I'm going to be on it soon.
0: What? You are. I can't <laughs> wait. I cannot wait. But yeah, you guys can find me at nataliekra.com. I mean, nataliekra.com is my website. And then Shanti Yoga oh, Training God. School. ShantiYogaTrainingSchool.com is the website as well. And I offer 200-hour yoga teacher trainings online and 300-hour yoga teacher trainings online. And uh, some other online courses, you know, I can do. I also do, like, long-distance energy healing sessions, um, which is something I really love. Um, Training ShantiYogaTrainingschool.com. You'll find everything. And my Instagram is at Kra. So thank you, Rain so much thank you too
1: wait you know what i like to end on though i really Mm -hmm. would love as cheesy and trite as it might sound Mm -hmm. for our listeners what are from natalie what are three things that someone can start doing in their daily life that that will get them because right like at the beginning of our conversation yeah intuition that you have that is palpable from all the beings? Yes. Um, how, what are like, what are like three tips that you would give the listeners to, to start to tap back into that intuition?
0: Um, have a daily practice of something like we kind of spoke about in the podcast and i really believe in that and i don't and i again i'm not dogmatic i don't i'm not telling you guys go practice ashtanga 6 days a week if that's mm. your thing great but if that's you could i'm going to say that you need to sit with yourself stop looking outside and even like at instagram or like um you know or or uh, what other yogis are doing just sit with yourself, take a deep breath, inhale through the nose, exhale through the mouth, do that like three times. And then ask yourself, what is it that I need today? And then if the answer is like a walk in nature, then go walk by yourself or take your dog. If the answer is I'm going to go kayaking, or if it is I'm going to journal for 10 minutes, great. Do a five minute meditation or 10 minutes or do or do a tea practice. Or just grab a cup of tea and sit on your porch if you have one or your window. You know, my thing is, like, do something that's just you and you mm-hmm. so that you have that sacred moment. Because in that sacred moment, you're going to breathe and you're going to feel your heart space and connect with whatever it is that you are you decided to do that day. And that will bring you closer to what we were talking internal concept, because I can tell you that when I'm not doing whatever it is my practice, (laughs) I'm like all over the map. So I have to come back to myself and be like, okay, what is it that I want to do, you know, today for me, not for anybody else, not for the kids, for the partners, for anybody, just something that's you devotional to you, you're devoting something to your life, to your beautiful sacred life. So that would be number one. Number two, I would say, have some kind of nature thing, you know, to have something that you do that you, you know, every week that you can, and if you like, you spoke about people living in apartments, you maybe you find a park or the beach or a hike, but have start and if you don't have that, start developing a connection to nature. And it can be like, you know, your neighborhood tree and you sit Underneath it for like mm-hmm. five minutes, but that's so important because I think when you do that, things are going to start shifting energetically. Your vibration, your your field, your aura field, whatever you want to call it, it's going to start shifting, and you're going to become a lot more grounded. So those are the two things, and then the other thing, the third one, which is really not like one thing, but I'll just <laughs> say because it it's what's coming to my mind: self care. Whatever that means to you, which is gonna, you know, like sleep if you need to sleep. Uh, drink a ton of water. What do you need to eat that's gonna be like good for you? Think about it, you know, be intentional. Like you you talked about intentional prayers or intentional things like or words, like conscious words. So, you know, I think by doing number one, you'll know what number three is and number two. So right. number one, sacred space, more, you know, ritual, whatever you want to call it, daily practice, number two connection with nature three what are the things that you need that are like your non-negotiable sleep water food what do you need I'm not going to tell you how to eat that's mm-hmm. up to you mm-hmm. each person has to eat what you know they need to figure that out yeah. but if you can then your body is your temple right yeah. to take care of your body temple and you're doing all that wow your life is going to change and and if I could add a fourth I would say spend time in the sun vitamin yes. D.
1: <laughs> oh, so Natalie and I are gonna have a tropical retreat. Yeah. It's going to happen.
0: I yes. Thank May you, Ray. So
1: thank you so oh, much Natalie. I love so, hanging out with you. Oh, oh so good God. to spend this time and yeah and and I, I look forward I get to see you soon. So yeah, I get great. to see you very soon. So thank you so, so much.. Great. Have, have a little- wonderful day. Oh, what fun, what fun with Natalie Kwa, the amazing, the mysterious, the magical, the wonderful. Thank you so much, Natalie, for spending all this time with me here on the pod, and thank you so much for having me on your show, Life on Earth. Um, Please check out Natalie, links and show notes to where you can find her on Instagram and um, her website and her books and oh, so much wonder and joy coming from Natalie. And thanks everybody for listening. Um, Special thanks to Justin Case Briggs out in uh, Brooklyn for the beautiful theme music to our show um, to Z Alderman here in Eugene, um, our producer, our proud podcast producer, and thanks to Amber Dew for all that she um, serves and assists and makes all this magic happen for us. So, um, hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day or evening, um, whatever you're doing, listening to the podcast realm. And we will see you very soon with a new episode. Until then, cheers.